This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, True Pilot Stories from the World of General Aviation. In this episode, a Meridian pilot learns the true purpose of training and that any pilot at any time is capable of making a mistake that may lead to a dangerous situation. See if you agree in Soul Searching by John Smith. That day was humbling. After 14 years of flying, as well as hundreds of takeoffs and landings in the same airplane, without a significant event, I guess I'd become overconfident and complacent. I'd taken my Piper Meridian M500 in for some minor avionics maintenance. Walking toward the airplane for my pre-flight to take the airplane home, I noticed from a distance that something didn't look right around the tail area but I thought I'd look closer when I worked my way to behind the airplane. I then became distracted by a phone call, which required me to go into the FBO, sign a document, and then send it as a fax. After that, I was further distracted by paying for fuel. Then I ran into another pilot I knew and talked for a few minutes. I'd been distracted three times. Much later, and out of my routine, I walked back to the front of the airplane, looked at the fuel caps, tires, chocks, propeller, and the inlets. All were good to go. I got in the airplane, fired up, and set it for takeoff based primarily on common memory items. Check voltage, fuel, flaps, lights, set trims. To be more accurate, I set one trim, the rudder. I got my clearance and then taxied to take off. I didn't notice that apparently, during maintenance, someone had run the elevator trim to the full nose-up position. Amazingly, I had routinely set the rudder trim, but not the elevator trim, which seldom needs any significant adjustment. I pushed the throttle forward. The PT-6 powered up flawlessly, as expected. Then the takeoff routine quickly turned into an emergency. The airplane almost immediately became uncontrollable in the climb. As soon as I left the ground, the airplane went into an extreme nose-up position. I couldn't push it over, and I couldn't see the runway. I guess the crosswind may have aided in my drift to the left toward the infield grass. 
I could not think fast enough to understand what was happening. Realizing I didn't have enough strength to force the nose down, I reduced the power. The stall warning was blaring and my vision was only sky. Then at least some of my training kicked in and I landed straight ahead. The thought hit me that I shouldn't leave the airplane in the grass and tie up the airport. I decided to move the condition lever forward, reintroducing fuel, assuming for some illogical reason the engine would magically relight and I could calmly taxi back to the FBO. At that point, I noticed smoke and flames coming out of the right side of the airplane. It subsided quickly. In the aftermath, there was no structural issues with the airplane. The grass was smooth, nothing buckled, nothing hit, the prop didn't strike the ground. We learned, however, that there had been an engine overtemp, but I was told it was likely insignificant. Since then, I found out insignificant means at minimum a $6,000 letter from Pratt & Whitney that states it was probably insignificant or $50,000 to prove it. I chose the latter because I wanted confirmation that there was nothing wrong. I feel extremely fortunate it didn't end up worse than it did. After the incident, I was almost in a state of shock. When I got home an hour later, my heart rate was still over 100 beats per minute and stayed at that rate for several more hours. I did not sleep well that night. I've read many articles about pilots who have had accidents. I now realize it's a whole lot easier to casually speculate on what I might have done from the comfort of a plush lounge chair than struggling in the cockpit of an out-of-control aircraft. I guess few of us know how we will react when we are confronted with the adrenaline rush and subsequent panic of an airplane that's not performing as expected. I will never again smugly postulate what was that pilot thinking or criticize their thoughtlessness. I'm angry at myself and disappointed I put myself in that situation in the first place. I've always thought myself a conservative, careful, and safe pilot. I've gone to training every year. I go to the conventions. I read a lot about flying. I have personal minimums for every flight, and I stick to them. But when I got into a desperate situation, I was not properly prepared. As I think about it over and over, I realize I did a lot of things wrong. Also, operating on full adrenaline is a lot different from working with an instructor or in a sim. The incident has caused me to do a lot of soul searching. Should I even be in the air? I can attest, post-incident, I will be a better trained and more careful pilot than I was before. However, I know flying is not risk-free, and the biggest risk to me and my family is me. I'm not sure how the elevator trim got into its exaggerated position. It has never happened to me before. I learned later that if the airplane has the autopilot engaged on the ground, depending on the elevation setting, it could run the elevator to its maximum nose-up position. Elevator trim is a checklist item, and obviously I missed it and should have corrected it. I'm pretty confident the trim was somehow moved to the maximum position during maintenance. The approach to the airport that morning had been routine. 
Interestingly, just before I took off to leave, I had a premonition that something wasn't right. Even though I looked around, I didn't take the time to follow my instincts and fully check it out. I'm now resolved to, one, train better, and two, fully and completely follow the checklist, every time to the letter, no exceptions, and with no interruptions. I read a book years ago called The Killing Zone. It talks about aviator accident frequency relative to time. The most dangerous time, of course, is the first 500 hours. The risks then go down dramatically until at about 3,500 hours when there's a curious blip in the statistics. I currently have right at 3,500 hours. I hope this incident was my blip. After this incident, I promise I'll do a better job of training because now I better understand what training is all about. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you monthly by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out AOPA's mobile flight planning app, AOPA Go, as well as the many free training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Fly safely.